before we read the story of Jacob and Esau there in the in Genesis, we want to begin first by reading from the eleventh chapter of Hebrews. chapter 11 beginning with the first six verses it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good report through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, of which he obtained witness, that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. And by he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that it pleased God. But, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and then let's read the, the 20th verse as well and it says and by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come so as we read through the Bible, we often read stories that first seem to be just that, just good stories. The story of Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, at first may seem just that, and another interesting story. But we, as we all know, there, are, there aren't any just interesting stories in the Bible. And this is what we're going to discuss this morning try to show the importance of, of this story in relationship with our own salvation as we compare our lives to the lives of Jacob and Esau. There in that 20th verse of the 11th chapter of Hebrews that we just read it is here that our comments will be based this morning. Was Isaac supposed to bless Jacob or Esau? There seems to be a lot of lying and deceiving going on. But it is here in the chapter of faith that we read that by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. And so that's what we will discuss. Who was supposed to get this blessing? And we'll also look at what part Rebecca played in this and why she loved Jacob and why Isaac loved Esau. And then why did then Isaac tremble at the news that he had blessed Jacob? That doesn't really sound like faith, does it? And so it is here now in the 25th chapter of Genesis that we find that Isaac and Rebekah have now been praying for a child for some years. So beginning with the 19th verse of that 25th chapter of Genesis, we read, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to, 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 to wife of the, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Hananam, sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. 
and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two men are people, shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all over hairy like a uh, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that, his brother came out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So, now, as we see that the story unfolds, Isaac has been waiting and praying for children some 20 years. And so the Lord has now answered their prayers, not with one child, but with twins. And the Lord has also told Rebekah that there will be two nations in her womb, and the older would serve the younger. Let's go back and look at that verse 22 and read it once again. It says, And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So, when she went to inquire of the Lord, didn't he tell her that they would, uh, that she would have twins? And if so, then why didn't she tell Isaac? Or, maybe she did tell him. If she didn't tell him, then why not? There seems to be a lack of communication between these two. Why then did Isaac love Esau more? Had Rebekah told Isaac what the Lord had told her about the older serving the younger, that might have changed everything in Isaac's mind. He would have known that Jacob was to be the favored one. So did he or didn't Isaac know? There seems to be a lot of questions here, and as we go along this morning, we'll try to answer them. I suggest that Rebecca did tell him. And if, and if he knew then, why did he still want to give the blessing to Esau? And why did Isaac and Rebekah disagree on this blessing? So as we see there in the verse 28 of this 25th chapter that we just read, why did Isaac then love Esau? Was it because he was a good hunter? He would go out and bring back meat that Isaac liked, and then maybe him and Isaac would sit around the campfire by night telling uh, hunting stories as they would eat their meal. And we see that Jacob, he was just the opposite. He was a plain and peaceable man, a man that lived in tents. He was just a simple farmer. And Rebekah loved Jacob, and in return, Jacob loved God. Moving on now to the selling of his birthright, beginning now at the 29th verse of this 25th chapter of Genesis. We read, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him. 
and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So now we see that Esau has been out hunting probably for several days without any success, and now he's come back probably smelling Jacob's stew before he even got back to the camp. And Esau wanted something to eat, and he wanted it right now. Because Esau wanted it now, he desires the things of the flesh. Thinking he was about to die, he told Jacob, I'll do anything just to give me something to eat. So Jacob then says to sell me your birthright. You'll do anything. Esau thought, what good is my birthright if I'm dead? So then he agreed. Which is interesting if we read that verse 30 again where it says, feed me that same red pottage. The word same in Hebrew also means red. So then it would have read, it would have read, feed me that red, red pottage. Also, the word for red is also another word for Adam. And so now we see he has sold his birthright. What does a birthright mean? A birthright has three things in it. It has a priesthood, authority, and inheritance. We'll uh, look at some things now about birthrights as recorded through, the, through Moses there in Exodus. <clears throat> there in the 13th chapter, the second verse, it says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and the beast, it is mine. And then all over in the 22nd chapter, Moses reported that thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy son shalt thou give unto me. And so we see then that the Lord was to, uh, the firstborn was to be for the Lord. Why then did the birthright mean so much to Jacob? And why, it meant, and why did it mean absolutely nothing to Esau? Because he, that is Esau, believed in living life to the fullest, to eat, to drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. But to Jacob, it meant everything. It meant salvation to him. As we see now in the, the 34th verse of this 25th chapter, that Esau, that he ate, and he drank, and he went on his way, and it says, and he despised his birthright. Do you think that Esau ever intended on keeping his word with Jacob? And if not, then how would Jacob, how would he be able to enforce this deal? We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. First now, let's move on to the 27th chapter of Genesis. There and read the first two verses. It says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said to him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and know not the day of my death. Well, Isaac was now about 117 years old, and he, he thought he was just about ready to die. And we, we see now that the story may be more about Isaac being dim of faith than, than his eyesight. And by the way, Isaac would live another 63 years before he, he died. 
And so he calls Esau in now to give him his birthright. But doesn't he remember years back Rebekah telling him that the older child would serve the younger? Didn't he remember many, many years ago that Rebekah told him that Jacob was to be the one to get the birthright? We also have to remember that Isaac loved Esau. So now let's read the third and fourth verse of this 27th chapter. It says, Now therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And so we see that he tells Esau now to go out to kill him some venison, and make him some of that savory meat that he loves so much. So then I can bless you before I die. Now, uh, in the sixth verse, we see that Rebekah now spake unto her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speaking to Esau, thy brother, saying. And so we see here now that Rebekah has overheard the conversation with Esau. And she tells her son now what uh, she tells her son Jacob what she's heard. If you notice back up there, and it says, her son. So we see that Isaac has his son, and Rebekah has her son. Well, Rebekah and Jacob, now they devise a plan. They think, well, we need to straighten your father out. We need to get him on the, the right path. So it would do no good to talk to him. So we need to do this, and we need to do that. So Isaac can then see the light. And so we see now, beginning in verse 8 through 10, it says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goat, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, which he loved. Thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and he may bless thee before his death. Was Rebecca, was she right in what she is doing here? Was she doing God's will? You think God is happy and pleased with her? What about wives working against the will of their husbands? If she thinks her husband is wrong, should she find a way around him, or should she just simply submit to his will? Should she try to talk to him, or should, should she go behind his back? Does the end justify the means? Rebecca now he tells Jacob there in verse 8 to obey my voice not your father I will command thee and so now they come up with a plan a plan which I believe that Jacob is a little bit leery of in the very beginning but they also have another problem to contend with as we see now in verses 11 and 12 it says and Jacob said to Rebekah his mother behold Esau my brother is a hairy man and I am a smooth man my father peradventure will will feel me and I shall seem as a, as a deceiver and I shall bring a curse upon me not a blessing so now how can we hope how can we ever hope to trick my father He's, uh, Jacob is saying Esau he's a hairy man and I am a man of a smooth skin I know that my father's eyes are dim but but uh, all he has to do is, is to feel me he'll know that, that something's up then then I will be a deceiver in his eyes. But his mother now 
tells him in verse 13, don't worry, it'll be all right. Nothing will go wrong. And if there is, the curse will be upon me. He says, obey my voice. You think anyone can really take the blame or a curse for someone else? Can we protect someone else? Could she really protect Jacob? Well, she thought she could because she had a plan. And now as we move on down to verse 15, it says, And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. So what was this raiment here? What was it doing in the house with Rebekah? What was Esau's raiment doing in, with, in Rebekah's house? And, and what was this raiment or garment? I can see some references about this uh, back in where uh, Moses recorded in Exodus. You need not look these up. I'll just read them over right quickly. Uh, in Exodus, Moses recorded, And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And I shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, and a robe, and a, a broidered coat, a, mirth, a, a mite, a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And then in Leviticus, Moses wrote this, or recorded this and so they went uh, near and carried them in, in their coats out of the camp as Moses had said and Moses and said to Aaron and to Eleazar the Ithamar his sons uncover not your heads neither rend your clothes lest ye die lest wrath come upon all the people that your brethren the whole house of Israel bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled and also in Leviticus and he that is the high priest among his brethren upon whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garments shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. This garment, then, I suggest, was probably a priestly garment. But what was it doing in the house of Rebekah? If you remember back in the 25th chapter of Genesis where we read there in the 31st verse where he had sold his birthright and we wondered how Jacob would enforce this deal. I believe that Jacob made Esau give him his priestly garment in a, in, in a way to make him keep his word. So Rebekah now puts the skins of goats on Jacob's hands and his neck and now gives him the goat's meat and the bread which he has prepared. Now he goes into Isaac and tells him, I am Esau, your firstborn. But everything is a lie. It's not even venison. It's goat's meat. So he tells his father, now it's Esau, the one you want to bless. Rebecca thinks she is doing God's will. This reminds us of the words of the Apostle Paul there, writing to the Romans. Paul said, And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, for the children not being yet born, neither having any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her that the elder shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob hath I loved, but Esau have I hated. But Isaac, we know, loved Esau. So now they're in a dilemma. 
If you look there in that verse 20, Jacob now makes a big mistake, or almost makes a big mistake when his father asks him, how did you find this venison so quickly? You just left a little while ago. It usually takes you probably all day to find the venison and, and to fix it. But you're back in no time at all. So Jacob now has to think fast. He thinks, the Lord brought it to me. Yeah, that's it. The Lord has brought me brought it to me. Does that sound like something that Esau would have come up with? We all know man we all know what kind of man Esau was. He he would not have said the Lord has brought it to me. So where do you think Jacob got this idea? Perhaps he had heard it said long ago from his something his grandfather had said, recorded back in the twenty second chapter of Genesis. When Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So then then they both went together. So Jacob thinks now the Lord is providing for him. He thinks that the Lord now wants me to do all this. He provided me with the goat skin. He's provided me with the meat. He's even provided me with this quick answer. It must be God's will. Do we ever do this? Do we ever justify something by convincing ourselves that it has to be God's will? We ask the question again, does the end justify the means? Don't you think now that maybe it seems like Isaac to be just a little bit suspicious? Something just wasn't quite right, as the old saying goes. You think he smelled a mouse? So there in verse 21, he asked him to come up near it so he could feel him. Sure enough, he, he felt like Esau, all right. And even though his eyesight was, was poor, his hearing wasn't very bad. It was good enough that he could tell that it did. It sounded like Jacob's voice. But nevertheless, he would go ahead and bless Jacob, thinking it was Esau. But one more time, just to be 100% for sure, he asked him there in verse 24, Are you my son Esau? And Jacob answered, Yes, I am. Well, now we see, and beginning in verse 26 of the 27th chapter, the read that Isaac now gives a blessing to Jacob. It says, And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which he, he which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. And cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So we see now that Isaac thinks he has blessed Esau. He thinks, well, no matter what Rebekah wants, I have now blessed my favorite son Esau, and Jacob will now have to bow down to him. Let's read that verse 29 again. And it says, Let thy people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. All this time, Isaac has been out in the, in the field hunting. Now he returns with this venison. So what happens next? We see in verse 32. It says, And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. 
And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and, and brought it to me, and hath eaten of all before thou camest, and hath blessed him? Yea, he shall be blessed. We read that Isaac trembled when he discovered what he had done. Was Isaac thinking now, well, this was an honest mistake. I I didn't, I was tricked. Or, or, or was he thinking that, that I had been tricked into this? It, it's not my fault. No, I believe he now knows he has disobeyed God. He has violated God's command. We see in verse 34 that Esau now cried to his father to bless me too, but, I, but Isaac could not. At this point, you almost now feel sorry for Esau. And now Isaac sees that it was God's will, and he refuses to give Esau any blessing either. He could not take it back and give it to Esau now, even if he wanted to. Well, of course, Esau now blames Jacob for everything, as we see in verse 36. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times and took away my birthright and behold now he hath taken away my blessing and he said hast thou not reserved a blessing for me it says Esau now blames Jacob because he has supplanted me or taken my place two times he said he took away my birthright and now he has taken away my blessing but Esau he's forgotten he forgot that he sold his birthright and God is now determined to give the blessing to Jacob. So do you think that Rebecca and Jacob now are happy with what they've done? You think they're laughing and dancing and saying, you know, boy, we, we really pulled that one off. We pulled, we pulled the wool over his eyes. Do you think they got off without any punishment? The answer is no, because Esau was now so mad, he was once to kill Jacob. So Rebecca tells Jacob to go away now for a little while because after a while Esau he'll forget about all this he'll go out hunting and he'll forget about the whole thing but her punishment would be that she would never see Jacob again nor would Jacob ever see his mother again we know that the Bible is full of stories symbols and parables as in the case here of the 27th chapter of Genesis we have a symbol or a shadow of things to come this 27th chapter of Genesis is also a story about the judgment seat. A story of two believers coming before the judgment seat. It is also a symbol. It's full of symbols, as we also see from back in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We read, Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, and can the God be able to raise him up, even from the, the dead, and from whence also he received him in a figure. So we see that Isaac here now is a type of Christ. So if Isaac is a type of Christ, and he's about to give a blessing or inheritance or to give a birthright, when will Christ do that? At the judgment seat. Coming here from the Old Testament, here from the 27th chapter of Genesis, we see a clear picture of the judgment seat. But the Lord, what God, uh, the Lord Jesus will not judge us by sight. He will judge us by our heart, and he will most certainly know our name. As we talked earlier about the need for Jacob to put on Esau's garment, 
Why was it so important for Jacob to have that priestly robe? The Apostle Paul says there to the Galatians, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We have to put on Christ. He is our garment. Baptism is our garment. But sadly, some choose to take off that garment as easily as you can take off a coat like this. Jacob, Jacob wouldn't have forgotten. Jacob wouldn't have gotten the blessing without that garment. And we won't get our blessing without this garment as well. So where did he, did he get that garment that Jacob uh, had come from? Remember back when he told his father about how quickly he had gotten the meat? He said the Lord had provided it the same way that he has provided Abraham with the sacrifice. He will also provide us with the garments to cover our skins, just like this coat. What is the one thing that we see over and over again in the Bible after a resurrection? And, and by the way, that venison would have not been a sacrificial, sacrificial meat, but the goat would have been. We see an example there in Lazarus. After he was raised from the dead, the first thing they did, they would have a meal. And then there was, there's, there's Jairus' daughter after she was raised. They ate. Back in the 26th verse of that 25th chapter of Genesis, it says, And after that came out his, his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was three score years old when she buried him. We also have some other references to compare the word, the use of this word heel. The psalmist David says there in the Psalms that, Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. This refers to Ahithophel, David's counselor, who turned on him. We also have some of the words from, from Christ there in the 13th chapter of John. He said, I speak not of all you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. This is also obviously referring to Judas. And so we see that Esau is a type of Ahithophel and a type of Judas. We want now to look at why Esau was so quick to sell his birthright. We see there in verse 29 that Esau had come in from the field and we're told he was faint or he was a little faith or a weakened, weakened faith. This word faith faint has references in the New Testament. We see the word faint there where it refers us back to Esau. There in the 18th chapter of Luke the first verse, he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought to always pray and not faint. Jesus tells us to always pray and not faint. And that was Esau's problem. He didn't pray to God for food. Esau fainted or he was weak in faith. Let's also consider for a moment some of the words from the Apostle Paul there in the second Corinthians, there in the fourth chapter. He said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is rewarded day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. For we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. Esau was more interested in the things that he could get right now, like this meal. He was more interested in that than he was in the things to come, like the kingdom. uh, The Apostle Paul says there to the Galatians, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit, shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we think not. Esau could not stay the place. And so, like Esau, we too will reap what we sow. At 34th verse of the 25th chapter of Genesis, we see it says, And then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils, and did eat and drink and rose up and went his way, Thus Esau despised his birthright. This bread and this pottage represents the moral service. So what does Esau then do? He gets up and goes on his way. Where have we heard this also before? Some of the words recorded through Moses back in Exodus. It says, And they rose up early on the morrow, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, and the drink, and they rose up to play. Are we sometimes guilty of this too? After the moral memorial service, we just get up and go back out into the world, forgetting what we have took, what we have taken part of with the bread and the wine. We go out to play six and a half days. That is Esau's way. And then we have that sad comment there at the very end of that verse, verse thirty-four, where it says that Esau despised his birthright. It now meant nothing to him. Let's now look at some parallels between this 27th chapter of Matthew and the 25th, I mean, this 27th chapter of Genesis and the 25th chapter of Matthew. There we read in the 27th chapter of Genesis that Esau goes out to get the venison. The parallel we see there in, in the parable of the ten virgins, beginning at the first of Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and no oil with them. <clears throat> but the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and Foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. We see that Esau has to go out to get his, but Jacob, he got his right there from the flock. He was prepared and ready. Esau was not. It is this idea in the 25th chapter of Matthew that we see that some tarry, then they go, and they come back later, but now it's too late. The oil here in this parable in Matthew, the oil is the word of God. By this time, Esau has, has come back now, but the door is shut. And this can happen to us as well. Another parallel between these two chapters 
is that Esau always thought that he would get the blessing from his father. He had counted on that blessing of the firstborn's double portion as his inheritance. There in the 25th chapter of Matthew, we have there at the beginning of the 15th verse, the parable of the talents. As we know, uh, this, par this parable is also referring to the judgment. The, the one man was given five talents, the one man was given two, and then the one man was given only one talent. What uh, had happened now, sometime later when the man came back, we know that the one talent had doubled his, the man had got two had doubled his, but the one who had only had one, he took and hid his, and now he has lost everything. We would think of this last man also as a type of Esau. There's the one that got their double portion with the talents, which would be like Jacob's inheritance, and then there's the one who got nothing, like Esau. There in the 27th chapter of Genesis, what was the first thing that Isaac said to Esau when he came back from his hunting? Remember now, this is Esau, his very favorite son, who had just left that same day. Jacob says, Who art thou? Another parable, uh, parallel to this is also found in, in Matthew, the 25th chapter. Is also in this parable of the ten virgins. There it says, He answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there in Matthew, I know you not. In other words, who are you? It's not enough just to come to the meetings on Sunday morning and partake of the bread and the wine or our minds or elsewhere. Jesus also, also has some advice on this there in Matthew. Jesus said in the seventh chapter, So not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. <clears throat> we don't want to be in the same boat as Esau was in. Sure, Esau was, was sorry. He was very sorry. As we read there in the, in the account in the 27th chapter of Genesis. And sure, we almost we do feel sorry for Esau as he cried with a great and exceedingly bitter cry and saying to his father, Bless me, even also my father. You can almost hear his voice now trembling. He was pleading with his father, Don't you have anything left for me? I thought I was your favorite son. But now it's too late to repent. The door is shut. It's not enough to say, Lord, Lord. When Christ comes, will we be a Jacob or will we be an Esau? Will we be the venison or the goat? We will want Christ to recognize our voice. There are obviously many more lessons to be learned here from this, the lives of Jacob and Esau. But we have also shown this morning how important the Old Testament is in going hand in hand with the New Testament. How important it is to read the entire Bible. Because the whole Bible connects. Every single verse means something. It's like a, a big crossword puzzle, if you will. It all has to eventually come together. We have to fill in the spaces for it all to make sense. So let's conclude this morning now by reading the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, 4th chapter. Second Timothy, chapter 4. 
verses 6 and 8 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. For I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, that righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. Thank you. <clears throat> continue now by singing hymn. 